beautiful day. It wasn't 109 degrees or anything like that, so that's kind of nice. Anyway, uh, so glad to have you here, Vicki. I don't know if I already said that or not. I think I did, but we are glad to have you here, okay? And before we do anything else, let's have prayer. Does anybody here have a special need that they'd like to take before the Lord? If you do, just slip your hand up. We don't have to know exactly what it is, but if you have a need, okay? I know Dana's dad is in the hospital right now. He's running tests on him. He's had a terrible day today. And if you'd pray for him and those that are gathered around her, just lay hands on her and pray for her and pray for her toe as well. It was confirmed. It was broken. Okay, so she's got a broken toe, and she's wearing this really sexy boot around. I don't know <laughs> like that, but anyway, let's, anybody else that we can pray for? I don't want to miss anybody. Janelle, would you lay hands on Janelle and pray for her as well, okay? Oh, I'm sorry, Ruth Ann, your mom probably. Yes, Ruth Ann's mom fell and broke her hip, and she's been down caring for her mom in Florida, and uh, I hope she's better. Okay, she is better, but she still needs prayer. Would you lay your hands on uh, Ruth Ann and, and Janelle and Dana here? And I hope I haven't missed anybody. All right, let's go to God. Heavenly Father, we know that you're on the throne and you're still the healer. Father, I pray that you'll reach down and you'll begin to touch them right here in this building tonight. Lord, we're praying for Dana's daddy. I pray that he, the healing touch of God would minister to him in that hospital right now. And whatever's going on right there, take care of him. Lord, we're asking you to minister to her toe as well. I pray that the rapid recovery would come in that. Lord, minister to Janelle. Lord, I pray that you'll touch her sister, her daddy, and her father-in-law. I pray that the hand of God would just rest upon that family. Father, the enemy loves to kick us when we're down, and I pray that, God, you'll just touch them and you'll raise them up, and all will be well. And Lord, we pray for Ruth Ann's mama. I pray that the hand of God would touch that hip. Lord Jesus, that you'll mend it back just like it needs to be. Lord God, that you'll have strength in it again and, and she won't be nagged by any repercussions of all of this. Father, we're going to trust you as we lift these up to you tonight that you'll minister and do a work in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Good to see you tonight. Uh, we're going to continue in the series that I'm preaching called Trip Advisory, okay, or Trip Advisor. Trip Advisor is a, an online uh, service where you can uh, download it onto your computer and things. And I'm just adopting their name for this series, okay? You can find out about hotels and airlines and rental cars and restaurants and all those things. People brag on them and sometimes they goof on them too. And so, but anyway, TripAdvisor, all right? And tonight the title of the message is Late Checkout. How many of you have ever had a late checkout at a hotel? Late checkout, okay? When most of us know what that's about, you know, if we need to sleep a little bit longer and can't get around quickly enough, we call down to the desk and say, hey, I need an hour or so, and sometimes they charge you, sometimes they don't. But that's what late checkout is. And we're going to be looking at the book of Judges tonight, and specifically the character of Samson, okay? Judges 16, verses 1 through 5. And the scripture says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Off to a good start here, aren't we? He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn we'll kill him. 
But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can get power, overpower him, so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Embarrassing. Dumb. Idiotic. I'm slow to use that word, but this is what Bible commentary, bomb, Bible commentators, I couldn't get it out, Bible commentators say about Samson, okay? I've had those things. I've done those things that I've looked back and go, well, that was idiotic and embarrassing and dumb. As a matter of fact, one of the most embarrassing things that I did was right here in this pulpit. And some of you got to share that, okay? And I was preaching a message one Sunday, and it was about um, discouragement, depression, those kind of overwhelming feelings that we have, you know. And, and uh, anyway, I'm back in my office. I'm going over what I'm going to say on, on Sunday morning, that Sunday morning. And uh, at the end, I, I always kind of rehearse what I'm going to say at the end of the service, even after an altar time and whatnot. And I remember I was going to say, God is better than Prozac. Y'all know where I'm going, don't you? Okay, well, in that split second, it went through my mind, don't say Viagra. That's what, it went through my mind. I'm saying, okay, don't say Viagra, don't say Viagra. So the sermon's over. We had a great altar time and things, and I'm up here encouraging people, and I said, folks, God is better than Viagra. You got it. <laughs> we got a big laugh out of that. And Kay Couch was here that morning, and the rest of Oklahoma knew about it before you got out of the doors that day. I don't know if you know that or not, but that was one of my most embarrassing moments. Embarrassing, dumb, idiotic, whatever you want to call it, you can do that. There was a man who went to a Bible conference and he got to share in the embarrassing moment of one of the keynote speakers. He's at this conference and he's feeling a little bit intimidated. The conference name was called uh, the Bionic Conference of the Prophets and Apostles. Kind of an intimidating name to begin with, right? So he comes down from the hotel room one morning and there at breakfast he sees one of the keynote speakers and he decides he was going to go over and speak to that person who happened to be a woman and she looked like a woman of God I don't know what that looks like but she looked like that okay and uh, just kind of a powerful presence so he walked over and goes how's your week been and she goes terrible he goes wow he said wow man I can I pray with you about it no it's already done she said early in the week I, me and my kids went to the car wash. And I thought, well, and he probably thought, well, that's kind of pathetic. You know, you come to this conference, you're out of town, you got kids, I've got a token. Let's go to the car wash, you know. So they load up and they go to the car wash. And you, you've been to the ones you, you don't really drive through, it drives you through. And you pull up there. And when she got there, she was already in the car wash and the brushes were hitting the car. And then she thought, maybe I better check the windows. So she checks all four of her windows, 
And when she touched one of them, the window fell out of its brackets and went all the way down inside the door. And water and soap is starting to come in. And she's trying to think and look for something inside the car that's going to seal that window. And she can't think of anything. So she sticks her rear end out (laughs) the window to seal the door. I know some of you think that's really unspiritual. Some of you deny that you even have a rear end, okay, and all that. But that's what happens. She sticks her derriere out the window to seal it up. Dumb, embarrassing, idiotic, but that's what happened. You're probably thinking, why didn't she just back out? Well, she did, kind of. But anyway, that's what happened, okay? So it's a bad week for her. All right, dumb, embarrassing, idiotic, okay? Some of the things that Samson did could be classified as dumb and idiotic. I have read a lot about Samson, okay? And the writers of these commentaries like to call him names. Here are some of the names that they call him. They call him an extreporous lout. They call him an oversexed muscle man. This is from their writings. The noble savage, that's kind of better. The trickster, the bandit, the anti-hero. They called him the dead end. But you know, Samson wasn't called to be idiotic. He was called to be a leader, a national leader in the time of crisis. And Jewish people today think of Samson as a hero. And if you were to go into their schools, they teach their school children to call Samson a hero. Samson the hero. Israel's nuclear option. At one time, they called the Samson option. Samson was raised up over 3,000 years ago in a time of national and cultural crisis. Israel was allowing synchronism to seep into their nation. They were emulating the nations that were surrounding them. And instead of having influence culturally on the nations around them, they were allowing the nations that surrounded them to influence them. Israel had problems with their neighbors. In particular, the Philistines. And the most famous Philistine, their champion, was named Goliath. And I'm sure we've all heard of Goliath. They were terrifying fighters. From excavations recently, their cities were found to have walls that were 10 feet thick. Samson's family lived one and a half miles from a city called Ekron, one of the Philistines' greater cities. As a young man, Samson lived under the shadow of oppression of the Philistines. God raised him up to make a difference, and he messed it up terribly. What can we learn from Samson's story? Or maybe we can ask the question that popular Welsh singer Tom Jones lamented in his famous song, Delilah. Why, why, why? Number one, we'll jump right in here. Okay, number one, what happens in Gaza doesn't stay in Gaza. Life can be blighted by our poor choices. Verse 1, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. 
This man was called and equipped with everything that was needed for success. He is the only judge in the Old Testament that was called blessed. <laughs> His birth occurred under somewhat miraculous circumstances. It was announced by an angel, and three times it was said of him that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The stage is set for him to be a stunning success as a judge for Israel. Why wasn't he that great success? One reason, I think, is he didn't seem to think that his actions had any consequences. I wondered if the knowledge of his blessedness gave him over to self-overconfidence. Maybe he had the silver spoon syndrome. Everything I touch will turn to gold. You know, you've heard the phrase over and over on TV, what stays in Ve what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Let me tell you something. It's a lie. What happens in Gaza doesn't stay in Gaza either. If you believe everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, Talk to the man that spent his entire savings at the table there and came home and tried to explain it to his wife. What happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas. Talk to the man who visited a prostitute in Vegas and comes home with an STD and explains that to his wife. You think what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Uh -uh. We cannot create an airtight seal around our behavior. There are going to be consequences to our actions. He always thought, Samson did, that everything's just going to be okay, I guess. When he got married, you remember? At the wedding feast, it went on for days. And Samson makes his guests angry with him, right? There were conflicts at the wedding reception. Samson stands up and gives a bridegroom speech, and he refers to his new wife as a heifer. Great start. <laughs> he bolts from the wedding reception, and he doesn't come back for a year. And when he comes back after that year, he goes to his bride's house with a goat as a gift, expecting a wonderful romantic evening with her. Guys, let me give you some advice. Okay? If you're going to get married, or if you're ever going to get married again, hopefully you don't, don't leave after the wedding for a year. Don't call your wife a heifer. And don't come back with a goat expecting romance. Poor choice. How about a sheep? But this is just one of the instances in his life that appears that he's just oblivious to consequences for his actions. Is it possible that this Saturday evening here at Hope Worship Center at 6.30 p.m. that some of us just need to stop? I'm just going to allow the discomfort of the silence from the platform to sink in.
and to alert us to consequences, implications, fruit, and results of our actions. Wow. Number two. Just do it. Go ahead and show the next one. There we go. We all know what that is. Nike sign. Just, just do it. Remember the ad campaign that they had? Went on for years, I think. I got so sick of them saying, just do it. Okay? Just do it is a recipe for disaster. Boundaries are blessings in our lives. Verse 3. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night... Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. I want you to notice this about Samson. During his entire ministry, he is always trying to get out of stuff. Pushing back gates, breaking ropes, okay, his is the story is of, I don't want this boundary or restriction in my life. Some of us have been sold the lie that absolute freedom is the way to go. But absolute freedom with no boundaries can lead to disaster in our lives. Wow. Little boy, he's on a plane with his parents. His parents get busy. I don't know if they're eating or they're watching a movie or they're sleeping or whatever, but about the time the little boy gets loose and all the way up to the cockpit, he's standing in front of the exit door and the handle that behind it emblazoned in red says, Danger, do not open. And about the time he's standing there getting ready to open the door, the dad wakes up, sees him, and in a panic all at once screaming, Stop! Okay? And he begins hurrying himself down the aisle to grab a hold of his son, okay? He's hollering, stop, all the way down. And about the time that he gets there, the little boy turns around and looks at him and says, why? The universal question that every three-year-old on the planet asks when there's danger there, why? Why can't I do that? Never mind, the dad probably shouldn't have been panicked anyway because he wasn't strong enough to open those doors. You've seen him on the airplanes, okay? He couldn't have got out anyway. But he says, why? And the dad tries to, in the most poignant language, not to scare him, but yet get his attention, says, because if you open that door, we're all going to be sucked out 36,000 feet in the air and we're all going to fall to the ground and we will meet our demise. Why? Do you know little kids, they ask that, aren't little kids cute? But guess what? We're adults. You know what God's doing to us? He's warning us. Don't do that. Don't touch that. These are my red letters emblazoned on the door. Don't stop. Please check yourself. And what do we do as adults? Why? Why, Daddy? <laughs> Number three. 
people rarely fall. They tend to gradually slide. Judges 16, 15 through 19 says, Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death. And in Oklahoma, plain English is, he was sick of it. Verse 17, so he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. Isn't that interesting? The seven braids? Does that mean anything to you? And so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Perhaps one of the saddest verses in all the scripture. And his strength left him. You know, I don't think people just wake up and think, well, what shall I do today? Oh, I haven't had an affair. I think I'll just have an affair today. I think that's the way it happens. Okay? As a matter of fact, Christians who get involved in an extramarital affair, you know how that usually goes, the pattern? The pattern is this. They start talking about one another's lives. And they start praying together. And they start reading the Bible together. And then all of a sudden, their eyes begin to linger longer than they should. And all this happens before they do anything bad. They understand me. They become intimate of thought, mind, and heart. The erosion starts taking place. The slide starts taking place. How many of you have ever built a sandcastle on the beach? You done that? Build a sandcastle. It's sunny. It's warm. It's nice. You're having the time of a life. You know, those tropical breezes are blowing, and it's just so beautiful. And you build this sandcastle, and the tide is out. And then the sun starts going down, and the tide starts coming in. You never dream that that tide is going to get close to your sandcastle. And all of a sudden, it's right next to the door. It crushes in the front gate. It goes to the towers and the spires on the side. It finally gets to the main part of the castle. And before you know it, your sandcastle is completely destroyed. And that's pretty much how it goes with people when they allow the enemy to come in and they don't check themselves. The castle's leveled. It's disintegrated. Number four. Addiction is fueled by denial. Sometimes checkout time never comes. Late checkout or not, it just never comes. Verse 20. 
Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before. Listen to this. I'm changing the words here a little bit, but not changing the uh, intent. I'll go out as before. I will check out just like I've always done. I'll check out as before. And he wakes up and he shakes himself. I'll shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Wow. We live in a culture that almost suggests that we don't need to be responsible. What do you read on your cup when you get a cup of coffee at McDonald's? Warning. Contents may be hot. Really? The coffee's hot? I'm so glad you warned me. I've seen strange food labels. What about this one? The pie will be hot when heated. Have you heard of Nitol sleeping tablets? Probably used them sometime or another. I'm not going to ask who. Doesn't matter. Okay? The warning on them is may cause drowsiness. Great. <laughs> okay. Warning on the Christmas tree lights. For use indoor or outdoor only. <laughs> Think about that one for just a minute. Is there any other choice? Can we play that music? Okay. I want to ask if anybody recognizes this song. Turn it up a little bit. Let it go for just a minute. cut it now you said it right Hotel California some people say one of the greatest rock and roll songs that is ever written certainly one of the greatest seller, sellers and Butch is a big fan, Eagles fan you know, but <clears throat> there's a stanza inside one of the lines in Hotel California and it says this it says you can check in any time you like but you can never leave. You can check in any time you like, but you can never leave. I believe, and I've listened to the song over and over and over again, I believe the entire song's about addiction. It's about habit. It's about bad things in your life. Sure, come on in. You can come in any time you like, but you may never leave. If we don't face up to our challenges, our sins, our addictions, we may never leave them. Number five, 
What we play with can make a plaything out of us. Samson's captured. Tragic. <laughs> They're not going to let him get his feet under him again. They take him and the first thing they do is gouge his eyes out. They harness him to a grinding mill for him to tread mindlessly in circles to grind grain until it's useful for their society. Verse 25, while they were high in spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. That word performed just stands out to me. So I want to look at that word for just a minute, okay? Performed. I wonder what kind of show that Samson put on for the Philistines. Hey, Samson, you got any jokes for us? Hey, Samson, how about a little song and dance? Hey, Samson, how about singing us a song? The Hebrew words used here in place of perform mean they were asking him to perform a depraved erotic display. He had made sex a plaything all of his adult life. And now this plaything is making a toy out of him. That's what our sin and our addictions and our habits that are bad are going to do. Number six, don't say in the middle of whatever you're caught in, don't say, I'm not hurting anyone. We represent Christ for good or for bad. Verse 21 through 24. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, blinding him with the bra- binding him with the blonde shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate singing, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. The Philistines, they're celebrating the grain god called Dagon. And Samson's behavior in front of the Philistines for all of these years was pointing the Philistines away from the true God and pointing them toward their own gods. People look at the people of God and draw conclusions about all of us from what they see in individuals. What you do, if you're letting your guard down, your challengers are one thing or another, 
They're drawing conclusions about all of us from what you do. And I'm not pointing at you, Matt, by the way. Okay, just you just happen to be there. Or Jerry. People look at the people of God and draw conclusions about all of us from what they see from individuals. This is just a small thing. But I happened to be in Houston, Texas several years ago. It was before I lived here in Tulsa, Broken Arrow area. And I got into a conversation with the manager at the restaurant. And he found out that I was from Tulsa. And he said, I hate Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, I love Tulsa. So I'm getting a little bit defensive. I said, well, why? I don't understand. He said, when you're in the restaurant business, I was a waiter and I depended on tips. And he said, on Sunday in Tulsa, all these people from these particular schools would come dressed up really nice, like really nice people. And they would often give us the most problems. And then instead of giving us a tip, they would give us a track. He said, I hated Sundays worse than any day. Should that wait staff be able to expect the most nice and kind people that there are on Sundays? They should be able to look forward. This is Sunday. Great. We get that good group. And beyond that, shouldn't they expect us to be generous? People work hard. But he judged everybody from a few. Hey, you say, well, that's wrong. He shouldn't do that. He didn't sign on to be like us. He wasn't a Christian. Okay? He just wanted to be treated nice. People judge God by looking at our behavior. Conclusion. Samson mentions God when he's with Delilah. He mentions her with the term Elohim. And Elohim, used properly, can be a good term because it expresses a plurality of God. When it says, let us make man in our image, it uses the term Elohim, a plurality of gods. And what that means is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They were there. They were involved in the creation. That's what it means, okay? But you can use it more loosely, and it simply means, ah, I'm kind of doing a spiritual thing. And that's how Samson used the term Elohim to Delilah. I just kind of do this spiritual thing, you know. As a matter of fact, other religions use the term Elohim to talk about all of their gods. Samson's realizing in his final moments of life, He's decided to check out of his weakness. He cries out in the temple of Dagon, Adonai! Yahweh!
He doesn't just check out of life. He checks out also of this vague thing. I'm just kind of doing this spiritual thing. He dove all in in his last moments of life. His friends and family come to get him, his body, and bury him. And we think that's the end of Samson, okay? He's never going to be heard of again. He's dead and he's gone. He's not judging Israel anymore. He's, he's just gone. Where is he? And then, much to my surprise, he pops up later in the New Testament. Can you guess where? Anybody? Hebrews 11. Does that jar your memory? The faith chapter. Faith is defined there. And it lists all of those guys that are in the faith hall of fame. He talks about Abel, Moses, Joseph. It talks about Abraham, Sarah, Isaac. Uh, it, it, it talks about David and, and, and Gideon. All those guys. And right there beside all of them in the faith chapter, as this great man of faith that is known to the commentators as an idiot, what it says, not trying to be harsh, Samson. It's probably a good thing that I was not on the committee that named all the men to the Faith Hall of Fame because I probably would have said, I, I got a little problem with Samson. That's not so much a statement about Samson, but it is. It's a statement about a magnificent God that does not define us by our most terrible moments. I messed up all the time. Abused the gifts he was given. Was oblivious to consequences. Was a pervert. I'm sorry. But God said, I don't see your most horrible moments. I see you when the glory of God shines through you. When you stop being this vague God person. But when you've checked out of that and you've checked in all with me. Would you stand? I'm just going to ask with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, okay? If there's anybody here tonight that needs to check out of something that's crept into your life. I don't have to know what it is. I don't want to know. But you're ready to check in completely.
you're ready to lay down Elohim and embrace Yahweh, Jehovah, Adonai, Abba Father. Maybe there's something, just a small thing, that's gripped your life and it's tugging at you and you can't put it away and it's been annoying and besetting for a long time. But you want to get it straight with God tonight. If you're here, I'm going to count to three. And with no judgment, this is a no judgment zone. Besides that, it's just me and God looking at you. You can be honest. I'm going to count to three and if there's something that's just really eating at you and you're feeling the convicting of the Holy Spirit right now we're going to pray for you and we're going to believe that God's got deliverance tonight are you ready when I count to three just slip your hand up and put it right back down okay I'm not enumerating anything this is between you and God are you ready one two and three. Now put them right back down. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? You want to deal with something with me? I appreciate the honesty. That takes a lot of courage. This is what I want you to do. I want you to look up here at me, okay? I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to be a witness here tonight. And I challenge you. I want you to turn to the people that are next to you. And I want you to say this. I want you to say, you know, pastor's getting ready to give an altar call. And if you need to go, I'll go with you. Okay? Is that a deal? That's the most powerful way you can be a witness that I can think of. Hey, man, I'll go with you if you need to go. All right? Count to three again. I'm good at counting to three. I can't go beyond that, but three I'm good at. All right? But I'm going to count to three. And you ask that question. If you need to go, I'll go with you. And at that time, I want you to take that person's hand up here, answer in the affirmative, and I want you to come down here with them. Would you do that? Are you ready? All right. I'm going to do it quickly. One, two, three. Turn to the person on either side of you. Do you need to go? If you need to come, Men, ladies, I want you to come. I want you to gather around my brother and my sister. Would you do that? Come and lay hands on them. We're going to pray for you, my brother. Okay? We're going to trust God right now. Amen. And if anybody else wants to come, come. Come now. Okay? And we'll pray for you. It doesn't matter when you come. We just want you to come. All right. Hey, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that right now that you'll minister to Jim. Lamb of God. I'm believing it right now because he recognizes that he needs to lay something down in his life. Lord, you're not going to rip it from his hands. You're not going to tear it out of his spirit. But, Father, he can surrender it to you and say, Lord, I can't do this all by myself. I need you. And I pray, God, that you'll just strengthen him. The Lamb of God, I know that there are nerves going through his body. But, Lamb of God, we all face that when we've held on to things. Lord, I'm believing that you're going to surround him on every side. 
and his brothers and sisters in this church are going to stand beside him. Lord God, we're going to minister to him. Father God, as he does this, strengthen him, Jesus. God, give him more courage. Father, we're believing it's done in your precious name. Father, Lord, we're just trusting you to do everything that needs to be done in his spirit. Lord, he's come to a red-letter date in his life. He knows you. He loves you. He probably repents of this thing all the time. But, Lamb of God, it's time for us now to come to a crossing where we say, No, I'm not taking this with me anymore. And Father Jim is there. And Lamb of God, I pray that you'll help him to be subjected to the right people. Lord God, that he become accountable. Lord Jesus, that everything that he does and he touches will be something that will glorify you. Father, we believe it's done in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Jim, thank you for hanging out. Grace, I love you, pal. the end of Samson. Okay? We don't think about Samson being in the Faith Hall of Fame. He's there. Right? Love you. We're going to have church Wednesday night. Don't forget, Bible study here. Okay? We're having a great time in our Bible study. Amen? Everyone agrees? And uh, we're studying the book of Acts. We are on chapter 18 now. And uh, hopefully we'll finish that this week. We'll jump into chapter 19 because it comes after 18. Anyway, good faith. Amen. I can count past three. I just want you to know I love you. And I want you guys to have a great week. Be blessed. Amen.